Good morning, everyone. The Southeast Conference's annual meeting is coming up next week, and I've had heard folks from here in town talk about traveling to Ketchikan for the event. So to help break down what's going on, I've got Executive Director Robert Venables with here this morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, Robert, since the group was formed back in 58, this must be the conference's this must be over the conference's 50th annual meeting. We, right? we are into, uh, this will be officially the 64th annual meeting for Southeast Conference. Wow. Incredible. And it's poised to be one of the biggest and best ever. <laughs> of course, I might have said that last year, but truly, I mean it again this year. Oh, okay, for 2022. And could people still register? They certainly can. Um, and there's still rooms, although it's getting a little challenging, even in Ketchikan, to, to find a place to stay. But um, yes, the registration will, stay, will still be open online um, through today and then be at the door uh, starting next week. So those, for those who may not be familiar with what's going on, just give the basic breakdown. What is the annual meeting? So each each year we gather face to face twice a year. Uh, we're you know right around the beginning of February we gather in Juneau for a legislative fly-in, our mid-session summit, and then uh, we have our face to face bigger meeting uh, that is outside of Juneau, moves around the communities. Last year we were in Haines, uh, this year we're in Ketchikan, where all the regional leaders get together, and we generally have um, you know close to three hundred registrations for for annual meeting come in. So it'll be quite the um, quite the showing our municipalities our business leaders our tribal leaders other nonprofits and stakeholders come together and uh, we kind of assess how the year's been and then we take a look forward to um, you know scoping out our work uh, that we need to focus on in the coming year the theme is charting the course ahead uh, what would you say is behind that well you know um, two years ago it was just a matter of surviving um, and it, that was just really a matter of holding on. Uh, last year was, you know, kind of just getting through to 22 because we knew that with the pandemic, um, it was just a matter to have to just hit the reset button in so many different ways. Now that we're emerging, um, you know, substantially from that pandemic, it's kind of like, okay, where do we go from here? And it's slightly different for each of the economic sectors. So we've got them all queued up through the three days to kind of really envision, um, you know, what, what do we need to do? What are the priorities? And especially with infrastructure monies coming, um, how do we help focus the attention on where that needs to be spent? And I saw that that's part of the first day. That's on uh, the 13th. So uh, tell us what the overall theme is for the first day so the first day we uh you know we have got our signature publication by the numbers and that is our annual report card how we've how we've done this past year measures um you know each of the economic sectors and uh, where the jobs are at and what some of the issues are uh, and that's going to be what we kind of roll out with uh, first thing in the morning uh, Melani with Raincoast Data uh, does a stellar job there, and it's it's our signature publication that we're just so proud of, and it's readily used. Uh, it's it's, um, it's it's a great tabletop piece that it's available electronically, but it's just one of those things where uh, you want it at your fingertips to understand. Private sector uses that to do their investments um, strategies and know what's going on in the region. Policymakers use that to understand better what is really happening, um, you know, behind the scenes. But then, you know, I really, you know, one of the things that we focus on is making sure that we're industry-led and economic development. We want to hear from those people that are investing their their funds into creating jobs and 
um, you know, creating the sales tax that the government um, relies on. But we, so we start off with the private sector and we've got an industry roundtable that um, is really focused on some of the natural resources. And I think that is, uh, is one of those most looked forward to panels. And then um, we'll take a break and, and get into transportation. Uh, which is uh, just one of those things between energy and transportation. Those are the cornerstones of our our economy. We've got so much information for transportation, though. Um, we're actually going to have uh, a transportation committee meeting the day before because we have folks coming in from, from D.C. and Seattle and agency the, uh, folks that uh, we want to introduce to our, our folks. So that's going to be um, kind of the way we kick off uh, the morning anyway, uh, and then with a little pre-session for transportation Monday afternoon. Okay. So first day we've got we've got infrastructure bill. We've got uh, future of ferry transportation, marine transportation too as well, and natural resources. So and peppered throughout the programs, throughout the whole conference, the three days, I saw that there were congr- more than just a congressional forum. There are candidate forums for all the different races. Tell us about that. Well, it's important to uh, us. Uh, Southeast you know, doesn't always get the same attention that maybe Matsu, uh, Anchorage, even Fairbanks gets for uh, you know, some of the, the, uh, the visitations from uh, those running for public office. And it's important to our region to be able to, to know these people. One of the great things about Alaska is that you can get to know your elected officials on a personal uh, level. And so it's 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 good for our, our members to be able to meet them, hear from them, understand where they're coming from. But it's a two-way street. Uh, it's important to us to be able to articulate to those running for office um, to uh, let them understand what our priorities, our concerns are, and uh, kind of help them understand that so they can better represent us. And, of course, we've got those that are already um, uh, elected. Not everyone that's uh, going to be there has, is running for office, and we certainly want to have an opportunity to thank those that are uh, incumbent and, and been doing a great job for us in the region. Okay. And let's move on to the second day, the 14th. What do we have on tap? Well, I am excited about uh, the way we start off the 14th. We have a, a panel in the morning. Uh, we'll hear from um, our, our senators going to uh, send us a message, of course. But um, we, we have a panel called Investing in Southeast Alaska's Economy. And we've got some real heavy hitter folks that give unique perspectives from different uh, parts of investing in our economy because uh, – no matter what the grants are that come our way, it's important that we have private sector investment that continues uh, you know, the vitality of our economy. So we have Rob Gillum coming in from McKinley Capital, uh, and they uh, they are major investors. They actually have a portion of the permanent fund that they invest, uh, as well as a humongous portfolio. So that kind of expertise is not often on our stage, so we're glad to have him. They know investing. They know investing, right. and um, and sometimes we think that we've got a worthy cause, but maybe we don't always have the 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 clarity of what we need to do to be invested in, and so positioning the region for that. Um, but then also um, new to us is the Region Ten Director for EDA, and that is the um, uh, the Department of Commerce at the federal level that has done the very generous uh, award for the Build Back Better Regional Challenge. So having the director come um, and be part of us kind of gives that perspective as well. We have Commissioner Sandy from the State Department of um, Commerce and then Anthony Malott with Sea Alaska. So 
um, really four different perspectives on investing that are are critical for us to understand to um, even court uh, for additional investment that we want to see in the region. So I think it's going to be a great way to really talk about um, how, do, how we invest in our, in our region and, and maintain a, a vibrant economy. And much has happened recently with Alaska Mariculture. You <laughs> know, I'm sure, especially after that multi-million dollar grant recently from the challenge you had mentioned. But with that in mind, tell us about the panel on the mariculture industry. Well, I'm not sure if it'll just be a dance and celebration session or, uh, okay. or you know, we'll actually get them to settle down and, uh, and, and talk to us. But uh, there's this uh, level of excitement that is hard to contain when it comes to uh, the the award that was just made and the the, the ability to really re- see the reward come from so much hard work from uh, the industry. Mariculture is a tough business. It's a tough business to get into. And uh, that, that workforce, that uh, task group that um, the governor had going, uh, they worked four or five years on a report that laid out a path forward and said, you know, in 20 years, we can get to a you know, $100 million industry. And uh, with this administration and the grant that's recently been awarded, we can hit the fast forward button. So they'll be talking about um, what that means and what that might look like. And on the evening of the 14th, there will be a dinner, I understand, for awards? We, we, we do an award for Community of the Year. Uh, sometimes there's, there's other awards uh, going on as well. Um, but the real focus of the evening uh, banquet is our scholarship auction. And just so proud of what the region has done uh, there. Um, we've got some major tickets uh, from like Alaska Airlines, uh, from Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. That, um, but the ones that um, also just just shine. Every you know, mayor, administrator, each community brings something that's kind of a flavor of their their own community that kind of just beams out. And so, uh, we've just we we have a lot of different items. We'll do a silent auction, then we do an outcry auction. We have a great time and we raise funds for scholarships that um, help enable students to get the education they need to come back to Southeast and uh, be part of the workforce here. Well, then that's the 14th. And <laughs> hey, what about the 15th? Well, let's start there. Well, you know, the, 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 usually the third day is kind of we colla- almost collapse after uh, such a run. We, you know, we've got like 50 speakers uh, and it's um, it's a lot of information. You can't hardly leave your seat. Um, and we have a business meeting, but uh, we're, that's where we fit in another one of our candidate forums. Um, uh, we've got, uh, you know, T- tell us about the feeding the region panel. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of a new perspective. Um, there's a lot of interests. Uh, there's always been a lot of concern, I think about food security and we've seen disruptions of that through the pandemic. Yeah. There's kind of a renewed focus on, on community based agriculture. And there's some folks doing that very well in, in Ketchikan, uh, we also have the, um, the Central Council's um, food security manager that kind of give us a, a more of a regional perspective as well. But looking at what can be done locally to um, to, to feed to feed our communities, feed our region, and you know be more sustainable in that respect. So really excited to hear how they're doing. They're they're young efforts, but they're excited, and uh, we're looking forward to that panel. And at the tail end, on that fifteenth, you've got a timely workshop on the Southeast sustainability strategy. 
uh, tell us about a little bit about the conference's involvement in that. Well, one of the things that you, you, I know you were there for the secretary's announcement this week, and one of the tasks that uh, Southeast Conference and the team uh, is, is just a, a great team between uh, Central Council and Southeast Conference and Spruce Root. One of the things that we've committed to do is have two gatherings a year. Uh, Spruce Root will sponsor the spring gathering of stakeholders, and then Southeast Conference will uh, do a, a gathering uh, in conjunction with the, its annual meeting each fall. And so this is actually the kickoff for that. So those that have been participating, we've got the uh, Deputy Undersecretary coming to uh, to us virtually to speak to us, and then the team that are in the room will go from there, and um, it'll be kind of the, the kickoff to talk to the, those that had put in applications and um, proposed projects that we'll kind of talk about the next steps we'll be taking there. Robert, this entire time you've said you're excited, and I assume <laughs> this whole conference is your favorite part, but can let's say you're talking to a local and they're just finding out about this uh, Southeast Conference. What would you say is the best reason to come to this? Well, I tell you, this agenda is worth two, three, ten times what you know registration fees are but it's only a third of the value in my, my opinion. The real value is the way that uh, we're able to gather in person. Uh, I am a firm believer that success is not sustainable without relationships, and those can't be forged on Zoom uh, or virtually. I should probably use a company name. So, um, yeah, you know, those can't be, can't be forged virtually. You have to really have that connection, and that's what really Southeast Conference is most proud of is bringing the region together. Um, and I think that, that that ability to network, to understand, to support, to learn, uh, there's, there's no substitute for that. And then we see opportunities for partnering. We, we've seen a, 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 the scale happen where um, the whole region gets together. They know there's going to be leaders there that they wouldn't have access to easily. Um, and then these leaders know that, uh, especially at the, the state and federal levels, that they know they, if they go to the one event that they could actually set up meetings and talk to almost every community in the region. And so those synergies just really fit well together and it, it forms a foundation that then you can build on virtually or by phone calls that, um, that have more meaning. So it's just a, a one of a kind event that uh, I'm excited about. <laughs> you should see the grin folks. It's it, he's excited. Now, We'll take up other Southeast Conference matters after the break, so stay tuned. And we're back with the Southeast Conference. Executive Director Robert Venables is here and provided an overview of the annual meeting next week in Kitchikan. If you missed that part, it'll be up on demand on KINYradio.com. Robert, I got a chuckle out of your remark at the chamber yesterday. He said, if you want to grow kelp or oysters, let me know. <laughs> and I had wondered... What would one need to do to set up a mariculture business? It's, it's not something you walk light, lightly into. It is a lot of work, and especially on the shellfish side, it takes a lot of years even before you start getting positive cash flow in. So it is, it is not for the faint of heart, but it is uh, definitely one of those areas that we're excited about because it's new wealth, it's new jobs, it's not something, often economic development is, you know, how can we steal somebody else's idea? or maybe something from down south and bring it into Alaska and do it better. But this is, um, this is a whole new, new industry that has um, had little bits of it going for you know, 
the Alaska Native community has been doing it forever beyond time, but commercializing it and getting it to a scale that goes beyond feeding your household or your community, but maybe the state or the nation, that's a different concept that uh, we're, we're pulling together. I mean, given how many folks are even going to be on this earth in years, you know, it's another food source, too. It is. And there's so many different applications beyond food for pharmaceuticals, for agriculture, for biofuels. There's just a lot of different ways that um, this this product can be used. I read an interesting thought from an article about Segriculture uh, Conference in Maine. And... You and I talk about the economic opportunity with Alaska mariculture, but this speaker was saying we really have a problem in the U.S. We have such an extensive coastline, the very largest exclusive economic zone, yet we aren't players in the aquaculture world. I wanted to know what your thought was on that. I think a lot of it has to do with scale. The you know it's it's tough. Um, you know you've got folks that pour everything they've got into a small operation. Sure, they can make it profitable, but not to the scale to really call it an industry. And so we've got, I mean, Southeast and certainly the rest of the coastal area of this project has got phenomenal coastline, but there's, you got to develop your markets, not just the product, because otherwise you just got a lot of products sitting around with nowhere to go. So this project is going to take a look at um, every facet of the industry from, you know, the, the seed and the, the hatcheries, uh, you know, onto uh, through workforce development, uh, you know, to to marketing and understanding right. where the product will go at the end of the day. I see. So, uh, if we sell it, will they buy? Well, that's the question, and so we have to make we have to help prime that pump of the buyers and make sure that we understand what the market is looking for for product and package it that direction. Now. Going to the USDA strengthening agreement that was part of the Southeast Sustainability Strategy, what is your hopes now that we've seen this strategy in its entirety, at least what's being allocated funding-wise? Well, you know, I hope that gets repeated. (laughs) I hope it becomes becomes a model that can uh, really be used because I think there were almost 300 projects that were proposed when they asked for what, what should we be doing? What should we be funding in the Tongass if uh, you know, we're not you know, going after the old growth, right? They're mm-hmm. trying to create other economies. Yeah, after there. the roadless rule. Right, yeah. and so um, this is a great start, $25 million. It's gonna go to some very good, meaningful projects, but there's a lot more out there. So I think <clears throat> one of the, the takeaways for me on this is that everyone has, not everyone, there's a lot of people that have find fault with decisions that are made. And this is more about how decisions are made than the decisions that are made. So this is a systemic change in methodology that I think is very healthy that will change the outcomes going forward. So uh, whether it is, you know, rather than just a, a cookie cutter, yeah, we're gonna fund this project through this program. Now it's a more contemplative Uh, review of what the community needs and how we can work with our partners to meet that. What would you say is different from how this funding was rolled out as compared to if they had just sent out grants? Well, you send out a grant and it's for one project and hopefully it accomplishes that one set of goals, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be something that fits well into a regional strategy. Uh, so there's there's that piece there. It doesn't necessarily mean that good capacity is built within um, the individuals, organization, or community that that grant was going to. So this more holistic approach of uh, bringing on regional partners and the technical assistance of one USDA, 
I think it is. Um, I'm. I, I, can I say excited one more time? <laughs> I think you've exhausted that word. Uh, okay. we, we, we can well, look forward to it. We can look forward. To it. <laughs> you know, it, it really is a, a change of philosophy to where I think it's going to be a lot more impactful uh, and and something that can be sustained in the future. And you would mention some key some key players here. There's of course the Southeast Conference, and then there's Clinton and Haida, and then there's Spruce Root. Could you explain how that? Uh, how that works in the sustainability strategy. Well, Central Council obviously has that network within the tribal organizations, and they've been uh, leading in so many different areas, but especially the food security. So there's a lot of uh, tribal and even non-tribal where they're providing the leadership and the technical assistance on that. There's uh, some on the on the fisheries side that you know our involvement with the mariculture uh, makes us a good partner there. Um, to, to help with as well as uh, some solid waste or um, biomass projects that are envisioned. So we all ha- will all collaborate together. So there's not, you know, there's not an exclusion. We're working as a team, but we each have different areas that will be uh, working closely with the project proponents to, to help them achieve not just exactly what they were envisioning, but maybe something even broader that has better regional impact. So through those organizations, you'll be working with other organizations to carry out those projects Correct. that are yes. getting the funding. Yep, yep. That's that's the breakdown then of... There it is. All right. Well, before we go, Robert, what's the latest on the Marine Highway? You know, um, there, there, there's there's hope on the horizon. Uh, there's difficult times um, in the, the here and now, but you know the funding that's being made available to to help modernize the fleet i think is being taken seriously so uh, there's a number of planning initiatives going forward to take a look at how those funds can be brought into the state and make a, a difference that we need new boats it is just it's that simple and we need to make them modernize we need to make them you know future proof to make sure that we're incorporating the best technology and standardized and make sure that we have the right fit in the fleet that can address the mainline needs as well as what I like to refer to as cul-de-sacs, where you know the the, the village service here in Southeast and some of the other rural community um, last mile service delivery that is important to our citizens, our residents, our visitors, the freight haulers. We got to take a different look at how we we partner, and I think that it's on the table and being looked at. So I think there's a little more sense of optimism now than we've had in a long time. Mm. Optimism, exciting, quite the key words for today. Well, thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me. And that's the program. Thank you for tuning in this September 9th. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line signing off. I'll see you next week.